Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Okay. Um, in the spirit of the uh, fifth tradition to carry the message, this is a recorded session. The recording equipment will not be turned off during the uh, uh, session. We ask that you please uh, silence all cell phones. Um, and let's open uh, with uh, the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Again, again, my name's uh, Bill, and I am a uh, grateful sexaholic. Uh, this is the essay purpose. Sexaholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for SA membership. We're self-supporting through our own contributions. SA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and help others to achieve sexual sobriety. Um, uh, I will share for uh, uh, a little bit, as I said, we will leave uh, time for questions. Uh, if you have uh, any questions uh, that you'd like to ask, we ask that you come forward, write the question down on an index uh, card. There's pens and, and index cards right here at the uh, stage, and, um, and then I'll uh, 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 try to answer them um, as we go forward. Um, so, uh, the, again, the topic uh, for this is uh, um, uh, hiring a, uh, a new uh, higher power. And uh, um, when I first heard that concept in uh, in recovery, um, it was long before I got sober, um, and uh, that seemed to me to be um, just absolutely unbelievable. Uh, and and the the wording of it may seem a little flip, but what it goes back to is um, from Bill's story in the big book where uh, Ebby has come to talk to Bill and he's he's uh, talking, Ebby's sharing his uh, sobriety experience and Bill's desperate, but he has this problem with uh, uh, the God that so many of the churches talk about. And finally, Ebby... Uh, says to him, maybe in just complete exasperation, I don't know, but he says, well, why don't you choose your own conception of God? Um, Ebby had come from, um, had gotten sober in uh, the Oxford groups, uh, which was the uh, predecessor of Alcoholics Anonymous, and the first few uh AA groups actually started as part of the Oxford groups. And the Oxford groups, uh, what, uh, what they said, uh, was surrender as much of yourself as you can to as much of God as you can understand. And that's where I think we got the idea of God as you understand God, which is to say you don't have to have a complete understanding of God before you can make an approach. I want to share a little bit about uh, about my experience with this. Um, <clears throat> when when I arrived to my uh, first uh, 
uh, 12-step meeting um, in uh, uh, 1988, um, I was sure of a couple of things. And one of them was I knew that there was a God, and I knew that God hated Bill. And, um, and, and I, b- I believe that uh, to the same degree of, of certainty uh, uh, that, that I, I believed in gravity. Um, I grew up in a, in a, in a family with, uh, two alcoholics for parents. Um, both of my, uh, dad's parents died before I was, uh, born. Both of my mother's parents died from alcoholism. Her grandfather was an alcoholic and drug addict. Both my parents died from complications of their alcoholism. Uh, my mother was a very dangerous woman. Uh, I recall distinctly having a sense of danger when I was around six or seven years old as it related to my mother. Um, now, a six- or seven-year-old ha- does not have the capacity for abstract thought, so I know this was not the thought, but the feeling went something along the line of this woman is, is entirely capable of killing any and all of her children. Okay? Um, Twenty years later, that was uh, demonstrated to be true when I pulled my mother off of my unconscious sister uh, and took her hands off of my sister's throat. Okay? When I say I grew up in a violent home, we're not talking about getting slapped once or twice. We're talking about violence, danger, a complete lack of security. And, uh, and, and so, see, I, uh, concluded that that had to be God's doing. Um, and if he hated me that much when I was four, five, six years old, before I even had a chance to really do anything harmful, you can imagine how pissed he would have been with me when I showed up uh, uh, 30-something years later uh, with several decades of uh, um, uh, acting out behavior uh, that included uh, not only lust, but alcohol, drugs, uh, being personally violent towards other people, um, abusive. So um, I figured uh, that somewhere along the line, I've, I came to the conclusion that if God hates me anyway, I might as well hate him back. That way it'll be even. And uh, there's there, there, there any sense of... Uh, capacity for uh, redemption was just absolutely alien to me. Um, Now, if that's what you believe about the nature of a higher power, um, does it make sense to you that step three might be somewhat problematic? I'm going to turn my life and my will over to the care of a God who has hated me since I was a child and hates me even more now after all these terrible things I've done. Um, a friend of mine uh, uh, who, who has been a real mentor in my recovery said that when he showed up uh, uh, in AA uh, and they said he needed to pray, he said, that's a terrible idea. I said, Why is that? Well, if I pray, then God will know where to find me. <laughs> and that was kind of the way I felt. Okay, so uh, from that perspective, and, and I, I, I said I came to a, started 12-step work in, um, or started 12-step meetings in 1988. Um, uh, I didn't quit drinking alcohol or using drugs till 1990, um, and I didn't get sexually sober since till 1993, and I didn't start working the steps with a sponsor until 1994. That is not a timeline that I recommend to anyone. Because uh, uh, the turning point for me was that in uh, December of 1993, I was put into a psychiatric hospital because I was suicidally depressed. 
I had firearms and ammunition, and that was that was my plan. Um, I found SA uh, on the Saturday of Labor Day weekend, and um, um, if I hadn't heard something in in that meeting, uh, I probably would not have made it to work on Tuesday morning. Um, what I heard was what all of you've heard. Um, uh, the, the reading of the problem, many of us felt inadequate, unworthy, alone, and afraid. I was home. That described exactly how I felt. Um, started going to meetings. Um, still had this, this problem with, uh, working the steps. And, uh, after, after I had spent some time in the hospital, uh, one of the counselors, uh, there, master's level counselor, don't know what she was in recovery for, but she was in recovery and she told me that if I didn't leave the hospital and go get a sponsor and work the steps as if my life depended on it, <clears throat> I probably would not survive the year. And she was pretty much spot on about that. While I was in the hospital, someone, uh, 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 the chaplain at the hospital, who was also in recovery, started talking to me about my ideas about God. And what he did over the time I was there in the hospital, which was about a month, was um, walk me through the process that you will see in uh, step two of step into action. We looked at what were my ideas about God? And we started by who were the pow- people who were a power greater than myself when I was a powerless little child? What happened in that relationship and what did I learn about the nature of a higher power? Because from my mother, what I learned was that uh, if a higher power gets upset, uh, children are going to get hurt. Uh, I learned that uh, a higher power is uh, unpredictable, can be very laughing and loving one moment, and absolutely deadly in, in just a minute or two. I learned from my alcoholic, workaholic father that higher power is too busy with important things to have time for Bill. And uh, I learned a lot of these lessons and 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 the lessons weren't what they intended to teach, but it was what I concluded about the nature of a higher power. And once I had that belief, I started living on that belief. And the way that I lived out that belief made it pretty much a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um Anybody here who uh, enjoys the uh, John Mellencamp authority song as much as I do? I fight authority, authority always wins. I changed the lyrics a little bit. I fight authority, authority sometimes wins. Because I had some bloody victories, but not sure the, the cost was worth it. But I, I, by living that way... Uh, I, cre- I, I was able to, to collect more evidence to prove that, uh, that God uh, did not like Bill at all. Once we saw where those beliefs came from, he, uh, he challenged me to look at each belief and ask the question, How does that compare to what I am seeing in the rooms of recovery? 
because I had heard the stories of people whose behavior was every bit as disgusting and despicable and violent and hurtful and hateful as my own, who had uh, had had come into uh, the program, had gotten a sponsor and worked the steps, and their lives had been transformed. And they were now living a life of purpose filled with love, surrounded by loving and supportive friends. In some cases, families were, uh, were reunited and reconstructed. I'm not sure that miracle is too much of a stretch to describe what I was seeing. So I started writing down each one of these old ideas, what am I, what is my experience showing me is really the nature of this higher power at work in the rooms of Sexaholics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, and so many other 12-step programs that use basically the same 12 steps that we do. Um, once I got that written down, and again, remember, this was over a period of several weeks, multiple conversations. He'd assign homework. I'd do the homework. We'd talk about it. And then he asked me to take, to condense that, what the, that experience I was seeing in, in the rooms of recovery and condense it to a description of God as I understand God, or as I may, as I am now experiencing God. Um, and this is, like I say, an, an experiential um, uh, understanding, not an intellectual understanding of a higher power. Um, so I got that. I got that written down. Um, somewhere at home, I still have that. What I, what I wrote down, uh, in 1994. And I, uh, I made a, uh, uh, when I got back home out of the hospital, um, uh, I asked a man to be my, uh, sponsor who, frankly, was, not on the top ten list of people I would have wanted to have for a sponsor. Um, this guy had drunk away a multi-million dollar insurance company. Um, when uh, the state licensing board found that he had been spending his clients' uh, premium dollars on his lifestyle instead of paying the insurance companies, uh, they took away his license and uh, he had to close down his business, and he lost uh, his clients. And uh, some of his clients lost some some uh, real money because they had to pay their insurance premiums a second time. And this individual, as he got to step eight and nine, he put the uh, state insurance commission on list of people he'd harmed because... He betrayed their trust. When they gave him a license, they thought he was going to act in a reputable way. He didn't. So he went and made amends to the insurance commission. Then he went to each of his clients whose money he stole, and he made amends to them. The one that really was the corker, though, was that he owed the uh, IRS $925,000 in change, and he went to the IRS and made amends to them. And i got to tell you, there's got to be an easier way to get sober than to do that kind of stuff. <laughs> but uh, here he was years later, uh, happy, joyous, and free, and I was desperate. So I asked him to, uh, uh, to uh, at, a, at a meeting, I asked him if he would show me how to work the steps. 
And I swear if I could have pulled the words back out right after I said, if I could have pulled them back, I would have, but it was too late. He said, yeah. And he said that uh, uh, he'd be my temporary sponsor, um, and that was in uh, 1994. And uh, uh, we're going to try it again for this week and see if if it's going to work out. Um, So we started working the steps. And my third step, surrender, was not to, probably not to any God that, that, that you might identify. Uh, it's not the God who, who started things off with let there be life. It was not, it was not a carpenter from Galilee. It was not the Buddha. It was not Allah. I made a decision that I would surrender my life and my will to the care of the power that I saw at work in the rooms of recovery. Now, since that time, which has been uh, almost 26 years ago, um, I have had an an experience about this power that I surrendered to. And today my my conception of God is is much more mainstream, and it doesn't even matter which, which, which religion it's in the mainstream of. But my point is that I was willing to make a surrender in the third step, which in my mind and according to the men who have taught me is really a decision that I'm going to work the rest of the steps and identify and and surrender those parts of myself that have interfered with my relationship with the God of my understanding and my fellow human beings. That's really what step three, that's the decision. Um, So I went on and did that, and I've had, over the last 26 years, a series of, uh, and I'm not talking about one or two, I'm talking about hundreds of, of experiences where I've had to step back and say, so that's the sort of thing that God does. And as a result, today, one of my meditations that I use uh, uh, on on a near daily basis is that I am a beloved child of a loving and gracious Heavenly Father. And my God delights in me. It's a long way from God hates Bill. Step 12 suggests that having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, and you know the rest of it, we tried to carry this message, etc. But see, the only promise of step 12 is it will have a spiritual uh, awakening as the result of these steps. But if I don't do the steps, I don't get the spiritual awakening. Now, as you read through the big book, as you read through the white book, as you read through Recovery Continues, which, by the way, I think is a terribly neglected bit of our essay literature, uh, you you will you will find that the results of the spiritual experience go far beyond don't act out don't be overwhelmed by lust maybe get your job back maybe get to sleep in the big bed again you'll find you'll find you'll find that that the results of a spiritual experience are beyond anything you could imagine
what I hope I have, 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 have laid out to this point, and, and by the way, I'm being mindful of, of the time. So if anyone wants to, wants to come up and write down any questions, please feel free. You will not disturb me. Um, no, please do not pass them out because when we do that, they don't come back and then the next session they don't have them. Um, but, uh, um, I'm sorry. Um, what I hope I've, I've, I've uh, described here is that our recovery program does not care what you believe when you get here. It is the appropriate and I mean this sincerely. I'm not trying to be sarcastic at all. It is the appropriate role of religion to tell you what you are required to believe if you want to be a member of our religion, whatever religion that may be. And, and some of you may find that objectionable. Uh, I, I do not. It does not bother me that your religion tells you that you need to believe something different from what my religion says I should believe. But in essay, we don't care what you believe. What we're here to do is not even tell you what you should believe. We're here to support you while you discover what is the nature of the relationship that your higher power wants to have with you. And I'm pretty sure that my higher power does not want to have the same relationship with anyone else on on the face of this planet that, that he has with me. Now, I may envy the relationship that someone else seems to have with the God of their understanding. But that's that, that's their relationship. And, and, and if I'm not happy with my relationship with, with my higher power, who needs to do the work? My grand sponsor, I just gave him a 55 year medallion in AA a couple of months ago. I've known him for over a decade when he only had 45 years of sobriety. Uh, and uh, in, in the time I've known him, his wife of God only knows how many decades has died. Uh, his house was damaged in a flood we had here in Nashville a while ago. He's had some rough times in his life, and I've watched the man continue to grow spiritually at 55 years of uh, 45, 50, 53 years of sobriety. Um, that's the other thing I love about this program. It says, it says that I can continue to grow spiritually. It talks about in the big book, the growth and maintenance of a spiritual experience. Not just the maintenance of a spiritual experience, the growth and maintenance. And I get to do that for the rest of my life. Um, I am pretty sure that the conception I have of God today, which fills me with joy, confidence, courage, but I'll bet you it's not the same conception I'm going to have uh, if, if I were to give this talk five or ten years from now. Because if nothing changes in the next five or ten years, that means I haven't had any spiritual growth for the next five or ten years. And I've enjoyed this ride way too much to give up on it. So if you are uncertain about what is your relationship with your higher power or how can you have a relationship with a higher power, the answer is just so very simple. You get a sponsor who's worked the steps with a sponsor, Get yourself a copy of the big book, the white book, the 12 and 12, step into action. Start going through and looking at the instructions and do 
for, for a change, don't do what you think is a good idea. Do what somebody who's had, a, had some success is suggesting. And just pay attention to the results. Uh, my sponsor uh, asked me when I was balking at uh, probably step three, said, what do you got to lose? He said, what you've been doing is, has failed utterly. I'm telling you, this is going to work. And my plan was I was going to do exactly what he said. And, uh, and then when it didn't work, my plan was I was going to go over to his front porch and, and, and shoot myself in the head so that he'd know it was his fault. That's not a joke. That's not even a little bit of an exaggeration. He thought that was kind of funny. He laughed at me a lot at very inappropriate times. <laughs> he said, "He said that's okay." He said, "But if you, uh, if you don't give this uh, program the same effort you put into your addiction, the last thing to go through your brain just before the bullet might be the thought. I wonder what would have happened if I'd tried it honestly. So I tried it honestly, and as honestly as I could." And this is the result. Bill, is the format only you taking questions or are you taking shares from the floor? Uh, just questions. Okay. Uh, here's one. As you recovered from depression, mental illness, your relationship, was your relationship with God... Uh, to help you, did you also see need for professional help? Uh, the short answer is that uh, that uh, I excuse me, I got allergies. I do not have the flu. Um, the short answer is that I spent probably uh, close to a hundred thousand uh, dollars on therapy prior to getting sober. Uh, I probably spent nearly that much since, and I've got. Uh, a, a very clear conception about the value of therapy. If you show up for therapy drunk, stoned, hungover, in withdrawal, obsessing about your next debauch, therapy's just an absolute waste of time. If you show up clean, sober, focused, willing to follow instructions and do the work, therapy can be a powerful tool. My experience is that uh, in therapy I discovered... Uh, 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 resentments and other character defects that needed uh, work with my sponsor. And in recovery, I discovered some uh, uh, childhood issues that needed to be worked on in therapy. And uh, I find that the two together are much more powerful than just the sum of, of what, what they might, be, uh, might offer. Uh, next, uh, did you struggle with feeling worthy of God's love? And if so, how and when did you get to truly feel worthy? That gets into a semantic question that I'm not going to, I, I don't, I'm not going to try to get into that debate, but here's what I want to offer is I pretty much don't think that I am particularly worthy of God's love. But my higher power loves me, and there's not a damn thing I can do about it. I am loved because of who God is, not because of who I am. I'm going to say that again. I am loved not because, I'm loved because of who God is, not because of who I am. Now, with that being said, uh, if I have someone who loves me and I begin to realize that this person has my best interest at heart, I might want to follow that higher power's um, plan for my life. And again, just pay attention to the results. Since 1994, uh, I haven't uh, given any serious consideration to harming myself. Uh, nobody suggested that I needed to go back into a psychiatric hospital. Uh, I've got a host of friends 
People not only invite me to come for a visit, they invite me to come back. It's a big deal if you think about it. The first time they don't know what they're getting, but they when they get to know you and say, hey, yeah, we want we we really like you, we love you, we want you to come back. So so again, uh, but but I, when I believe that 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 my that that I really am a beloved child of of a loving and gracious higher power, then 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 my assessment of how worthy am I really just becomes irrelevant. I told somebody this earlier today. Once you understand how your higher power views you, you're not going to be nearly as concerned about what anybody thinks of you at any given moment. So that if your wife says something ugly to you, you, you can, you can understand that that is about her feeling at that moment, not about who or what you are. If your boss doesn't like your work, that may be as much about your boss as it is about your work. But whether it's about your boss or your work, your work is not who and what you are. It's something you do. If your work's not up to standards, you can either improve the quality of your work or possibly find another line of work. I'm pretty good at what I do. But I have a sneaking suspicion uh, that as, a, as, a, as an engineer or an airline pilot, I would have been a disaster. Just from the airline pilots and engineers I know and seeing how they think compared to how I think. It's okay. My higher power has all the engineers and airline pilots he needs, but he needed me to do what I'm doing. Once I get that down then the rest of it, I don't have to worry about. Um, okay. Uh, we got a real controversial question here I'm going to put to the side for a moment. Um, okay. I worked the steps. I pray on my knees daily, but I'm missing the experience um, and feel... Uh, and feel him on a daily basis. I'm missing the relationship, but I'm religious. And what I would, would offer to you is, um, and, and I do, I, I do this. This is not a suggestion that I, that, that, that since you're having such a problem, uh, somebody like you needs to do this. I'm telling you what I have done because I am somebody like you. I do not know how many times I have started with a blank piece of paper on step one and looked at not the step one I wrote uh, uh, 20-something years ago, but where is powerlessness and unmanageability present in my life today? I don't go through that exercise that's in step into action every time I simply write, what is my conception of God today and I try to get as explicit as I can and I'm not worried about does it look good uh, because sometimes I, my conception of God is that uh, he, he's, uh, he's distant and, uh, and, and unavailable to me right now that I'm disconnected if that's the truth I better because I can work with the truth if I'm, if I'm working on a lie I'm going to end up with a different lie. And then I go back through the steps. Uh, I promise you, I have written, I've been sober, I've, I've written over, I've, I've written over 50 inventories in the time I've been sober, been sober 25 years. I know I've done more, I know I've done more than two per year. I've averaged more than two per year. And, uh, the last one I wrote has been within the last three months. So I didn't get somewhere and say, oh, good, I'm glad that's over, and now I can coast the rest of the way. It, this is this really is. Uh, so, so again, I just encourage you, uh, go back through. It may be possible uh, that, uh, uh, that, that uh, getting input from other people. Uh, I, my, Richmond, my sponsor for, for uh, 
uh, 26, almost 26 years now. But, um, but I can't tell you how many, um, how many people in recovery have offered me suggestions that when I would follow the suggestions, when I'd write an inventory the way someone else recommended it, um, I start I, again. I just I, I, I looked at somebody who seemed to have a quality of of uh, recovery and and spirituality that I wanted. I said, okay, what are you doing differently from what I'm doing? And then I just tried it. I spoke with my sponsor about what I was doing, and I was upfront with him. I never said I want somebody else to be my sponsor. I just said I'm going to ask uh, I'm going to ask Scott, or I'm going to ask David, or I'm going to. Uh, uh, ask Mark or any of a number of other people what they do that's different from what I'm doing, and then I try something different. If you don't like, you know, if you do what you did, you'll get what you got. If you don't like what you've been getting, do something different. It, it's really, it's really just that that simple. And uh, and I will tell you that uh, uh, I have I have received a lot of help. Uh, from religious people, some in recovery, some not in recovery, but it wasn't just that they had a big title like priest, chief rabbi, bishop, imam. It's that I saw something in that man that I wanted, and I said, how are you doing that? Okay, I love how you shared the corrupt uh, the concept of God hates me, therefore I hate myself. Uh, though this hate of self is rebelling, an act against God, is this also a way of trying to hide from God? And the the short answer is yes, but I want to expand on that. See, I never really considered that that uh, the way I treated myself. And I knew the way that I was treating other people uh, was was spitting in God's face, but I never really considered uh, that that this that my self destructive nature uh, was anything other than pleasing to God. Remember, God hates me, so while I'm destroying myself, He's sitting up there uh, laughing at me. Okay, but I'm pretty sure that He was uh, hurt. And perhaps angry at the way that I was treating some of his other kids, because he loved them. So um, it took me a while to realize that uh, that that I am um, I'm, I'm just I'm just one of the family, um, and. Uh, I, it's not, am I his favorite child or not his favorite child? I think he's got a plan for me that is is uniquely and expressly for me, just like he has a plan for you. And uh, when I start comparing what I've got to what somebody else has, uh, I can make myself uh, uh, crazy. But when I reflect on the blessings I have, uh, some people call it a gratitude list. Um, and especially when I look at the gratitude list in 2020 and compare it to spending Christmas Day on suicide precautions in a psychiatric hospital, it's kind of like, well, there's been some improvement here. So, uh, so again, I find that gratitude makes a major change. Okay, I'm going to try to read this. What do I do when the conception of God um, that I'm learning by experience in recovery doesn't line up with what at least some important authorities in my spiritual tradition tell me? Um, E.g., a confession prayer in a religious service which talks about God's righteous indignation of my sins. 
Wow. Okay, this is as close as religion to religion as I want to come. But I realize that I hate addiction, the disease of addiction. A couple of months ago, it took one of my good friends, dead from an overdose, brilliant man, tutored me in uh, neuroscience for an examination I took a year ago. Used to be on the uh, faculty, head of an entire division at Vanderbilt University. Problem is that when the disease hijacks your brain, the smarter you are, the more the disease has to work with. The same disease of addiction is probably going to kill my son. He went to the uh, went to the uh, hospital just before Christmas in an ambulance for at least the fourth time, maybe the tenth time. I don't know. Anybody? want to make a bet on how many more times he gets to roll those dice before they get to him too late? If he was going to, if, if going to the hospital was going to make him uh, get clean and sober, he would be clean and sober today. I don't know what it's going to take. But I'm prepared for the idea that the addiction may kill my son. It killed my mother and father, my grandmother and grandfather, damn near killed my little sister, who was the first person in our family ever to get sober instead of dying from addiction. She's the very first person who ever got sober. So I hate addiction. Does anybody think that because I hate addiction that I hate you people? Because you're addicts. Every, I'm guessing every damn one of you is addicts, right? Will the non-addicts please exit the room? My best friends are addicts. You think I hate my son? The distinction is that I believe that God hates my sins while he loves me. Try that one on. I didn't get to that by sitting and thinking that up is, boy, doesn't that sound good? Roy talks about the crucible of our experience. See, I don't think my, I don't think God made my son an addict to teach me how to distinguish between the sin and the sinner. But since my son's an addict, I think he took advantage of that to help me understand how he can love me, even though I've done some really despicable things, shameful things, illegal things. And he says, that's okay. You're not the worst the worst. We're not going to make a saint out of you this year, but I still love you. Come on home. Sit down. Talk with me. Spend some time with me. Okay. A lot of what I knew from my religious training was not had nothing to do with what uh, uh, the people in my church were teaching. It was all filtered through my shame, and I came to some conclusions that had absolutely nothing to do with what the, 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 my teachers were trying to teach. Uh, this is the last one because uh, after this, I'm going to need to get off this stage real quick and maybe head out the side door. Um, I'm just going to read it. If I uh, misheard, please disregard this question. You didn't mishear, and I'm not disregarding in your introduction, I thought I heard you describe yourself as a recovered sexaholic. What differentiates a recovering versus a recovered sexaholic? And uh, uh, the the, uh, the the short the short answer is that um, 
I, I, am, I am allergic to lust. I'm also allergic to alcohol, cocaine, amphetamines. Uh, and, and the allergy manifests itself the same way in each case. If you give me a little bit, I want more. If you give me more, I want too much. Um, unlike some of the drugs where you can actually die from an overdose, that's pretty rare with, uh, with lust. It may happen, but I, I don't really know that it happens the same way as with a drug overdose. But how many of you have inflicted physical injury on yourself as a result of your acting out because of your compulsion with lust? Okay, all right. So if lust is causing all those problems, if you were allergic to uh, uh, strawberries, what's the solution? Yeah, don't eat strawberries. So clearly the solution with lust is just don't drink any lust. Just stop drinking lust, alcohol, taking cocaine, or whatever other things you have, and your life will be great. What happens to, to each of you in the past when you just stopped acting out? How much better did your life get? Horribly unbearable? When I stopped acting out in September of 1993, do you understand why in December of 1993 I was ready to be put in that psychiatric hospital? Because I'd, all the things I'd been using less to medicate were present. I just wasn't medicating it anymore, and I was feeling it. So if you come into SA and quit acting out, you will feel better. You'll feel fear better, pain better, terror. <laughs> yeah, you're going to feel it better. Okay. So why do we keep going back? Because we're restless, irritable, and discontented until we can experience a sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once from taking a few drinks. And, uh, and, and we have an obsession that's described in great detail in the big book that says, this time I'll be able to get what lust does for me without suffering the terrible consequences of what lust does to me. And in spite of a hundred or a thousand uh, experiments that show that's not true, we'll try it one more time. Okay? So, what is a recovered alcoholic? Because I use that term uh, multiple times in the big book. And I think that Bill uh, Wilson nailed it in the 12 and 12. Page 15... AA's 12 steps, which are SA's 12 steps, are a group of principles, spiritual in nature, which, if practiced as a way of life, will expel the obsession with drink and enable the sufferer to live happily and usefully whole. I'm still allergic, but I have recovered. I've recovered from that hopeless condition of mind and body the allergy's still there, but now I don't have that mental condition that says there's got to be a way for me to be able to, to take just a few drinks and get the relief. I found the relief somewhere else, so the obsession has been expelled. Well, that's just fine and good for these alcoholics. Expression, uh, uh, the obsession's expelled, they quit drinking, their life gets good. But what about us? See, I've already got the chemicals on board that if I'll just uh, uh, let the lust get started, I can be drunk here in just a second. On page 69 of the White Book, feel free to check it out, uh, Roy says that we can look forward to the day when the obsession but not the temptations will be removed. i got to tell you, uh, I, was, uh, I remember Jess L., and he sponsored Harvey for a while. And the first time I heard Jess and then later Harvey talk about being free of lust for an entire day, my thought was, here's two men who need to understand the concept of rigorous honesty. 
Then within a year or so it, uh, of working the steps, I experienced it. I was doing my end-of-the-day review, went back looking for, for uh, the, the uh, problems with lust. There wasn't one. I looked again. There wasn't one. The obsession had been removed. Now, I would like to tell you that every day is like that today. It's not. But sometimes I'll have a bunch of days like that in a row. Okay? The obsession has been removed. I have recovered from that hopeless condition of mind and body. And today I am taking action to continue recovering from my addiction. But I believe those old timers, when they wrote, uh, we're uh, open the very first page, we of Alcoholics Anonymous are over 100 men and women who have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. Well, I've done what those people did. I've experienced what those people experienced. And I believe I'm a recovered alcoholic, a recovered sexaholic, and a recovered drug addict. But I promise you, you put any of these bad things into my body, that allergy will will destroy me, and it'll destroy me quickly, painfully, and in a very ugly fashion. So that concludes our session. We are about out of time. Uh, I do want to comment that anything you've heard uh, at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual speaker. The principles of SA are found in our 12 Steps and 12 Traditions. And uh, I'd like to suggest that uh, perhaps we can close with the uh, third step prayer. Prayer, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Thank you very much for uh, coming and joining the session. And for, for those of you who submitted questions, thank you. Wouldn't have been nearly as good without your part. Why? you'll get some good questions and then that way but but uh, what we're trying to avoid is a person who's got sober last week wants to tell everybody that I, oh, I totally get it I just am surprised and in my mind hello Simon hey man the coverage is a great place that's right <laughs> hold on I've got to come down I don't like I don't like
I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.